and welcome to the Tongue and Cheek Podcast with the Solomon Sisters. I am Dina. I'm Ilana. We are pop culture vultures in Couture, and we are taking on this week's episode of Potomac 513, as well as Below Deck Reunion Part 2. And we have a very special guest with us tonight, mixing with Mani of... Mani is here tonight, so let's welcome her. Hello! Hi. Oh my god, we're so excited to have you here. We oh are, we're gosh. so excited. Thank you so much for asking me. This is going to be so fun. Oh, Thank I'm... you so much for gracing us with your presence. Oh my god, <laughs> of course. Literally, I feel like all day, perhaps just like God knew you were coming because all day my feed was just like, you and like interviews with you were popping up on my, oh my podcast God. and everything. I just like felt like it was a very you day today, which I loved, and it just kept me really on theme. I know, oh Ilana, my God, I love that. No, it's so true. Ilana and I, I think one like both of our favorite podcasts is the one you did with um Dame Gali as well as um the Bitch Sesh. You're so incredible. yeah. You like read our minds. Oh my gosh, those are some really fun ones. There. Ooh, they are some, they're pros. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're and then you also did Danny Pellegrino. Yeah, I did his a little while back, and he just did mine yesterday. And uh, yeah, he's wonderful. He's absolutely amazing. I love him. Yeah, we are huge fans. Honestly, one of my like heroes of the podcast world. Yeah, he's he's really good. He has a lot of amazing guests coming up he's interviewing like Andy Cohen in like a week so he's really just killing it but he also has um what uh, one of the reasons I'm such a fan of his is because I actually really love his his humor and the way his perspective he presents it it's always sort of not too seriously not too harshly but still mm-hmm. kind of keeping it real which I appreciate yes he's a wonderful but we feel that way about you. Oh yes, God. honestly, that was a side so that was a sidetrack thought because we definitely feel the same about you. Thank you all so much. It's honestly touching. I didn't expect that this would go so well a year ago when I started this. <laughs> well, I think you found your calling because everyone is responds to you so passionately, I think, because you are just so wonderful and your Thank perspective you. and just also the way you present things is your voice you can really hear you and you feel like you're kind of friends with you and you want to be having that conversation with you I really yes, enjoy I everything post. the friend aspect I'm always like listen if there wasn't COVID anybody could have a cocktail with me anywhere I would I'm that kind of girl I love that. Ooh, and I love your nails. I know the people listening won't be able to see them, but they're so oh. nice. Yes, honey. I always have to have a fresh set, even in a global pandemic. I have to try to do my best. I'm yeah. hiding my nails because they look really bad. <laughs> I'm, too. I'm very embarrassed right now. <laughs> but okay, we're doing the best we can. And you are definitely finding us at this moment. <laughs> so, um, just so I better listeners know exactly who you are, but can you just give them a little bit about what, um, who you are, how your page even started, as well as your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So my 
podcast and Instagram were born the same day um, of 2019 in late June, I think. So we're just over a year and a half. And it was right after um, the season finale of Housewives of Beverly Hills, the, the year of the Lucy Lucy apple juice situation. And I was just simply floored that I would be so betrayed by one of the best franchises ever. And I just needed to talk to a void, I guess, about it. And I did a guest spot on another podcast that I love, Real Moms of Bravo. And they were super, super like young and new at the time in their podcast. And I was like, this is really fun. I think I could really do this. And they were like, you're really good. You should try it out. And that day I just kind of made my first meme and did it all and talked to a void for an hour about absolutely nothing. It's what well, I don't like, I hate when people are, they always tweet me like, hey, we're, we're going back and listening to your old episodes in the archives. I'm like, oh God, like, it's so cringy, but I appreciate the love and the lessons. And I just love how much the community has grown now. It's become quite a little mixer. Like there's so many people I've been able to do such amazing shows. Um, I've been able to have a lot of amazing people on my show. I've been able to kind of spread, you know, the wealth and the love and go on a lot of other people's shows and, you know, get to know their shows and get new podcasts that even I want to listen to. So it's really been a special time. I love this, like in this podcast community that's happening. I, I agree. I, you know, Dina and I, because we're obviously quite new to the community and we're always talking about how welcoming everyone has been and how it's so amazing because you do sort of, when you, it sounds like it's something so deep and serious, but it, you, you do sort of feel very alone in the world when you're a real mm -hmm. Bravo fan because you don't have people who are having the same emotional reaction as you are to yes. these things. And having the podcast and, and, and having these, people who are analytical people who are comedian people who are on so many different levels breaking down the wonderful and the cringy of these shows and able to kind of be part of that is such a privilege and we feel so lucky that people are responding mm -hmm. to us and allowing us to be part of this community and to be able to share our time with someone like you is I don't think you could possibly understand. Like I'm red. I'm so I'm so thrilled. Dina is so thrilled. No, I I totally get it. I think that, you know, Bravo is such a special little world. It's definitely mm. a bubble of its own. I mean, I think that they've done something really smart, and that they've tapped into the idea that fans are watching. They're they're looking for certain things. They want certain things, and that they really respond to it. They dedicate so much of their their lives to this. I mean, you know, at one point a few years ago, I remember Bravo was on like five or six nights a week and they were able to do that. And it, unlike any other network that usually can only claim one or two nights, they were able to do that because we really rallied behind them. And, you know, to have something as special like BravoCon, like even if everybody can't go, the idea of they know people will actually try to all come together because we all have this common love where we can talk about the people that we hate and the things that we can't stand or we want to see more of and they give us something they really interact with us and it makes us interact with each other you know I was just talking to someone today about how Bravo keeps announcing who these new cast members are and it's something that they've never done before but it's because we have the this energy now that we can get excited about it it's like hey 
we're listening to you and we want to change things and we want to make you excited again and, and believe in us and we are able to kind of buy in more because we feel like we're a part of the process and it's mainly because of how big and welcoming and the community is even when we all hate different people we love doing it together yes well someone's asked me why i love bravo so much and i i thought the perfect answer which is you know what i gave was that there's a lot of humanity to the to the network to the shows and to the people who love those shows it's such a, a sort of uniter when i went to university there'd always be a group of people like having a cigarette outside in front of the building and i always think of bravo as sort of not in an unhealthy way but sort of like that like it's a way that you sort of find your group of people to stand around and have conversation with and even though you're all from different walks of life and all from different perspectives you have this shared interest <laughs> bravo is the cigarettes of TV. <laughs> <laughs> that is a quote among, uh, for the ages. That should almost be the title of this episode. Like, I hate to be presumptuous. It's not my show. I can't tell you what to title it. But the cigarette of TV is, <laughs> that's quite a catcher. <laughs> I completely agree. But then, so what is your take on kind of the way Bravo has reacted to maybe like the OC as well as well as Southern Charm? Um, I think that it's very complicated. I think that on the one hand, as much as I love Bravo, you know, it's it's kind of like um, a child. Like they can obviously disappoint you. They don't always make the decisions that you want them to make, but you love them regardless. And that's not even to say that it's your own child. It could literally just be the idea of like, they're going to figure it out on their own. And at the end of the day, they are still always trying to make money, make good content. And if something isn't broken, they're not going to fix it. And I think that, you know, sometimes that comes off a bit disappointing because, you know, you don't, they don't always give things chances to breathe and give things times to air out. And I'm specifically referring to the latter part of the question with, you know, especially Southern Charm and that they didn't really give Southern Charm NOLA a chance to kind of catch its feet and do what other Southern Charm did and other shows have done, which is really take fire in their second and later seasons. And it does feel a bit um, like they're pushing one agenda over another. I mean, Southern Charm NOLA had pretty similar ratings to like Summer House. Neither did that great. Um, and so sometimes they'll give it a chance and then other ones they won't because they still push Summer House on us. But this season of Southern Charm, Charleston, I think they think that this will be a good enough answer to all the problems that people are bringing up about it. I think they think that addressing some of the criticisms and some of the ignorances head on is going to give it a special kind of nuance that will make people connect with it again. But I think that unless they do it and it completely prove me wronger and, and make me a believer, I think that, you know, it'll be a missed shot. I really do. I think that it's, they've already kind of done something in their decision-making process by bringing back like Thomas Ravenel, even for a scene when they made such a big production out of not having, you know, cutting all ties with him, not having him film ever again. And for, for right reasons, I mean, his family is outrightly racist. His, at the time that they decided to get, you know, fire him, he was being, you know, 
uh, there was allegations of rape and he was being literally taken to court for rape that was settled out of court. So still no actual innocence or not guilty was actually proven. So it, it was such a big production that people really agreed with. And then now to kind of cower to those allegations and say, well, we're just trying to make a great show. It's like kind of like at what cost? Because if you alienate your audiences, I don't really know how that's going to help you make money. But it's one of those things that I think that they'll figure it out when people stop watching. But the more people do watch, it's more like, you know, just because we're all yelling about something doesn't necessarily mean that someone else isn't secretly watching it. You know, they're they're doing what they want to do. And I think it'll... I think that OC might backfire. I think Southern Charm, people love it for a very odd reason. Um, and it's because like they're a friend group. I think that if Southern Charm, Charleston was still on and NOLA was still on, people would not have as big of an issue. It's more because they've canceled one seemingly and promoted another. And the other one is way more problematic that I think they're having some kind of backlash. But OC is just a hot mess. Everything over there is going nuts. Like, that seems like a dumpster fire. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to everyone involved over there because that one is on fire, honey. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, and um, I'll probably sound like Danielle and Casey um, from Bitch Sesh, but I have not um, looked into the facts at all in this. But I thought I'd heard that they are now filming again for Southern Tribe New Orleans. There was a there was a picture yeah. going around, but I there didn't know if picture. it was legitimate. It was a picture of them all together. It did seem more so that they just all decided to get together versus like they're friends, right? Like they're all friends, and they because they kind of captured like we decided to get together to you know to 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 have brunch, and we decided to reunite ourselves, kind of thing. Um, from what I've understood, they were filming or seemingly filming before the pandemic and everything started and then it was kind of questionable because the rumor was if every all the shows that were invited to BravoCon were basically getting renewed and coming back in 2020 and like even in to give people perspective like Shaws of Sunset there was literally no mention of when that was going to come back and they were at BravoCon they had not decided the date they hadn't made any plans and literally when they gave us the trailer after BravoCon it was like to be determined. We still don't know when it's coming. So they even were invited. And the only people that really weren't invited was Southern Charm New Orleans and like Mary to Medicine LA, which because they were super, super new. So it was kind of like, a, is that a sign? But it, they were kind of filming beforehand and then COVID happened. And we haven't gotten a lot of word on whether or not they're filming since. Um, there has been a lot I've seen even some Bravo people who really love that show want it to yeah. come back. So I, I think that they're hoping for it to come back. I, I think it's great. It would really disappoint me because there's still so much story to tell. Like I'm yes. so fascinated by interested by the relationships on its on that show. I mean, even just the ever changing relationships, you literally had someone who was in the first season married to someone and by like the second season divorced and pregnant with someone else's baby <laughs> getting married like yeah I mean it's like you don't get that that's like that is amazing television like you don't see that a lot mm -hmm. and the actual longevity of the best friendships friend didn't know. yeah yeah and she was and like, what the, what's happening you have a what a man a baby what and, and the fact that she was blackouts or breakdowns like there's so much I need to know 
They, no, but also like the long, yeah, the longevity of the friendship made it so much more layered when you would see these bickermans because they weren't really fighting about just what they were fighting about, which always makes for great TV. Yeah, no, that's a that's a gem right there. I mean, my twenty first birthday, I spent it in New Orleans. I was drunk for seventy two hours. It's a fantastic <laughs> city, one of the best places on earth. I mean, everyone says Vegas. I think New Orleans is hands down ten times more fun to me. Um, I my first drink legally <laughs> when I was twenty one <laughs> was a French seventy five, like uh, Tamika, and I died when I first watched the first season and she was like my favorite niggas of French 75 because it's, I never heard of it before I only ever got it in New Orleans it's impossible to tell people how to make that anywhere else like you have to like walk them through it unless they already have it on their menu but it's very New Orleans of a drink someone else ordered it for me like you'll, you'll love this it is the single best most refreshing cocktail I've ever had I live and die by a French 75. So when she ordered that, I was like, this is my show. These are my people. <laughs> it makes you, you know what I mean? Like they make you want to be a part of their friend group. You really yes. do feel like you're in it. I just want to know if Kelsey's going to get married to this man. Cause I just don't get it. I need to wrap that up with a bow. Is she going to get married to this I, man? Will he propose? He's a lawyer. Like, what are you waiting on? I don't understand their relationship. Like, you bought her a house, but not a room. Yeah, how no could you, sense. like, how could you move into a house and even live with his parents at one point if you're not 100% walking down the aisle with this person? You're so right. intertwined to then not have that final, like, assurance. Especially if she wants it. And she's made it very clear that she wants it. I just don't know how you think that giving her a house will pacify her from wanting a ring. Because at and that she, point, it's just a slap in the face. It's like, okay, you're really just like, this is, this is now, at that point, when you buy me a house and you let me redecorate it and renovate it, this is just a formality. Like the license is now just a formality. But, but I feel like she's also like super cute and very chill like they don't really at least from what we've seen on camera mm -hmm. really show what's mm -hmm. bringing his hesitation outside of like his own stuff and he seems to have a very good relationship with his parents so you're not really getting a sense of like where does this fear of commitment to someone who has been so patient and loving to you come from which brings me to my earlier statement there's so much story like i'm really yes. interested in in tamika and her husband and i love the way you know we saw such a big turnaround in their relationship but I want to see if that sustains I want to see her daughter and and her son and the, the kind of daughter. Uh, so she and like I I feel like this series was so unique because it wasn't just about um a group that was one way it was like a very layered group with a lot of different careers a lot of different you know there was different race but there was also like right. different life perspective like you know um tamika's husband he owns the gyms and then you've got like uh, i can't think of his name uh, but he's the lawyer and then you have like the artist oh, like, it's so the many different john is this artist who's like commissioned paintings for like the president and things yes. like that like i mean what a diverse city yeah yeah but it speaks to the city and the culture that it's so influenced by so many different things uh, i also love about new orleans is they're all such hard workers whereas when you're watching the other southern charm they're all kind of lazy in different ways. Yes, the, like the charm of Southern Charm Charleston is that like they don't have to work. Yeah. That was kind of like the initial perspective was like the Cam and the Craig versus the Sheps and 
the Catherines and the Tom, like, they're all made money. And these people, like, and Craig like, wanted to be in that world. And Shep would always throw it in his face that, like, you're, you still have to work for your money. And he's still not doing it, but he's making those pillows. So I just have never seen anybody in my life get, like, an entire law degree to not use it. Then go like, make what a waste of time. It's such a thing. You did not need to do all that thing. Oh, and like, what what did he do in the Bahamas? I've always wondered, like, where did he live? He got off drugs, I think, or he did a lot of drugs and then got off Yeah, I think, yeah, he might have done, like, he took the Sonya approach. So if y'all, you know, know that story that literally every single season, Sonya, like, like, skips the country and goes and (laughs) detoxes and some faraway island for, that's where she was when COVID first struck. She was like yes. stuck on the island because she was like, they won't let me back in. And I'm just drinking green juice and water. Well, she looks great for it. So I guess it's I mean, what she looks her body amazing. needed. So we yeah. need to all go get stuff on an island. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all need to go get stuff and have another pandemic happen. And we just live it up on some green juice no, i agree i think we should go to where sonia went and make sure we do not go where kyle went or or gretchen. yeah gretchen's looking rough yeah no i gretchen's obsession with facetune and then facetune in her baby i am just that's that's a hard thing to get past yeah how did i miss this yeah she's been obsessed with facetune and so a lot of her pictures, even with her child, like a baby, like this baby is fresh, like two days <laughs> and the baby has face tune and I am very confused by it. It's um, for people who, uh, you know, were looking for good like Bravo accounts to follow Bravoing together, always, they have this, they just, they have such disdain for the way Gretchen does this to her baby. I think it's because one of them is a new mom that they are like, they will post it in a second and be like, what is happening? <laughs> it is truly wild it's it's unacceptable and it's really unnecessary i mean babies have perfect skin no, yeah i agree with you on that but i i think it's really funny that gretchen seems to be turning slowly into vicky <laughs> mm. yeah wow wow oh in that because literally um why can't i think of his name oh my god and i know his name who Gretchen Slade, 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 Smiley, Slade, Smiley. Are they married? No. I don't think so. Still not yet, huh? Didn't we watch her propose to him? Yeah. Yeah, in the most orchestrated, (laughs) produced way possible. Yes, on with a song and a radio show that never was. When Portia and the Hot Dog King did their proposal, it did give me Gretchen Slade vibes. Okay, yes, but I will say I am currently living in the suburbs of Atlanta, and Atlanta is like that. Everybody <laughs> is driving around in their mortgages. They are definitely putting on productions. There are more video crews and videographers than I've ever seen in my life. And that's not to say they're not all making their coin. Do what you got to no, do. No, good for them. But they are, that is, I feel Dennis would have done that even if there were no cameras involved. Yeah, and That's I definitely don't I think Gretchen <laughs> would do that or, or Slade if there was not camera. No, that was just to give so. themselves a storyline. But I will say that I feel like it just, in terms of watching it, it felt very familiar, like the scene. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. It's very over the top. A little, little do too much. 
little, mm-hmm. little too, too much. Um, mm-hmm. Did y'all see that Cynthia, I'm sorry, I'm like hijacking your show. But- <laughs> no, please, feel free to hijack. I'm just, I can't believe you're here, so I think I'm in like a daze. <laughs> Me too, I really did do. Y'all? Let's just see. I'm just like, I'm just listening and taking you in. <laughs> No, I'm having so much fun. This, I mean, if I don't talk about Bravo at least once a day, I'm basically combusting. So, um, have y'all? Did y'all see that Cynthia hired her own video yes. crew to, <laughs> to record her wedding? Because Bravo though. was like, "No, girl, no, we're not doing it." Well, yes, they were planning I, to do it. She was going to be yeah. the first housewife ever to have two ma- two weddings on the same show. Like she but married two Bravo different men on the show. I have a theory. I have a theory. Yeah, sorry. So my theory is that right now, especially with the election and COVID and everything, there's such a tension about masks and everything that it would sort of cause a revolt to a degree to have on film people not respecting the... Absolutely. The laws of COVID. But I think that there's a part of Bravo that hopes and Cynthia maybe even more that they can use some of the fit footage, especially if they cut through mm-hmm. and kind of find the right pieces. So it's yeah. not on them. They can say it's a private camera. They didn't put any Bravo people at risk and all this stuff, but still she might get like paid and it might add to her story and still give her yes. that, that credit without sort of, yeah. So I, I think she was smart, but I actually really, really wish I could have been there like even if I could have been there as like some sort of like service person I would have been totally happy I just you know I would have been masked up myself and hidden in some sort of closet but I would have loved to have been I feel like that was probably the best party that's happened in 2020 but do so you- there wasn't any other ones but I also just feel like the joie de vie and the people and just the the joy I I think Cynthia has this sort of energy around her where you kind of believe the people in her life are really a fun time saying that he's already cheating on her um yeah but also we all lots of people in the community so it was a community thought so no one come at me because it was a group thought that when they showed it last season, it was almost like an inevitability. Like we know it's gonna happen, but that also is kind of why I think I think Cynthia took the same approach that Portia did when Portia started her relationship with Dennis. Like basically, if I don't see it, it doesn't happen. If I don't ask, I don't know it. And I think that Cynthia, because she said something, she was like, I prayed for a man like Michael. So I think she's just not going to give it up. And she mm-hmm. was like determined to go down that aisle and figure it out and whatever he needs to do. I don't even think she'll be as hard on it as she was with Peter. I think because they're a little bit more equally yoked, like this, and yes, Peter was a businesswoman, a businessman, but Cynthia was fronting the cost from some businesses and she was like investing and it was also her money and she knew she was like the young pretty bride to this older established man who then somehow still needed that money. But with Mike Hill, he had a job. He is older. She's older. He's more seasoned and she's like just happy she got an age appropriate man who didn't want a 21 year old. So she's like, I don't see it. I don't know it. And that's the same approach that Portia took. But I will say to Cynthia, it still backfired because look at Portia now. So 
and just because you yeah. know it's not there, it's gonna happen. Like if it's gonna happen, you're not gonna like it. And like, it'll eventually chip away. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna chill on that thought, pun totally intended, because I really want to believe that they'll be happy. And I kind of like when I think of their little family unit and the fact that he's got kids that, and she's got kids that get on or child. And you know, it just makes me happy. I like the idea that Cynthia, because I was a fan of Peter despite all his um, shenanigans, let's say, mm-hmm. and you know, and. I just thought there was some chemistry there and there was some sort of charm to him that I I was sad when their marriage devolved. And then with Mike, I sort of, I didn't have like that feeling towards him that I had towards Peter in his heyday, but I felt like mm-hmm. she felt seemed happy. And I think she's felt seemed a little off and sad for so long that it was yeah. nice to see her happy. Yeah. I'm happy. She's happy. I mean, yeah. I, I know they're going to probably still include some of the the footage and they're probably going to call it like, you know, personal footage. Like they'll put the disclaimer up, but because Bravo's not going to pass up the opportunity to have it on there and she's going to be the yeah. first housewife to do this. So I know she'll, she'll, she'll try to figure out a way to make that work. I just, I, in my compromised immune system body cannot wrap my mind around 250 people right now. like if it's a 50 people socially distant wedding I'm already like okay (sighs) like I'm I'm sighing I'm not going but I'm sighing at like okay fine you're gonna you can possibly distance 50 people 15 even better just invite literally your closest family and friends and if we do 10 we really could just do it in the backyard and no one catches anything (laughs) and she said something like um everybody had to take a COVID test at least five days before but see what had happened was you could get on a plane right and as the Potomac women did get on a plane and land in Atlanta you could get in an Uber you could in that five days go to the grocery store you could just simply go to the hotel and anything is possible like we're not all staying home because we think it's fun like we, we all don't think it's fun we have all agreed we want to go back to brunch and having day drinks and all those things we want day parties we want nightclubs we want all the fun stuff but we're literally doing this because being in a room full of 250 people is like the opposite of safe during COVID season and flu season. That just seems like a lot, period. Like that's just too much for me. And she, and, and Giselle was just on Watch What Happens Live two days ago saying they started with masks and face shields, but it didn't end that way. And I'm like, well then see, that's the, that's the problem. But see, it that's what that way. I heard um, that interview and I, my first thought though was that's why I wouldn't even go in the first place because me neither. You know, I, I personally, I get like I go for these nightly walks and I love them. But like when I first started, everyone would like see another person and everyone would just sort of spread, like, you know, yeah, and now. I will see people and it's like people make eye contact with me and still walk as, as if they're going to walk in my space. And then I have to go into the middle of the mm-hmm. street and I'm fine because I'd rather do that than be near a person. 
but I'm sort of like, why are you challenging me? Like, why do you want me to have to move? You put like, why won't we both move? Like what happened to the displacement? And it's, it's sort of sad to me. And I know we live in um, South Florida and it's a particularly kind of like Corona, what Corona who kind of area. Girl, Georgia, I'm here. We were only shut down for two weeks and they were like, well, back. the first thing they opened was the bowling alley. I said, no, who needs to go to the bowling alley as your last destination before you contact COVID? Why does the bowling alley It's apparently essential. You go? I'm like, of all the places, honey, I wasn't getting my nails done in the early days. And I am like putting on hazmat suits to go do that, but the bowling alley. And everything here is optional. So I get it. Just like Florida, it's like, Okay, everybody's decided that they're over it. So I wish I had that option. Yeah, no, this woman came into the lift today and she was in like full mask, you know, gloves, everything. And we were as far away from each other as possible. So it was pretty much, I think, actually six feet. Then this other woman comes on. She goes right in between both of us, no mask, nothing. And, you know, just like sort of, sniffling and I was just like you deserve to be murdered I mean I'm literally just like, like literally because you're out here trying to do it to people I think that they think that if they're not if they don't feel sick they aren't sick and then they're like oh if I don't feel sick I can do whatever I want and it's like no actually like again I am immunocompromised I have face disease so if anything I know my ass isn't sick. I don't go anywhere. I literally disinfect everything. I am very, very careful to only ever go to the grocery store. I've gotten my nails done once in this whole pandemic. I have anywhere I've ever gone, it's like, it's our own day. It's our own like boot. It's just us. And it's no one else that I didn't come with that I don't know that I can't be with. They can't be with me. And I'm wearing everything that I have to. And I'm still masking up. And I know I don't have it. And I'm still like, I just don't want you to be uncomfortable. I don't want yes. you to be. Because I don't know you. And they don't know me. Like, if we saw each other, I'd be like, I don't know what you did today. I don't know what you did yesterday. I don't know where your germs have been. I just simply don't want this. That's all it is. is I don't want your germs. Keep them to yourself. Well, the scariest thing I think about um, this whole pandemic is that it's essentially like in the hands of others to be considerate and if there's anything I've learned from Housewives and all of Bravo shows Uh is that that is not something that you can consider people capable of so it's quite a frightening you can't leave it to us like I heard someone say on a podcast they were like remember when we all thought it was going to be like three months but it's America so give it three years (laughs) (laughs) a consideration honey we don't have it it's simply every man for himself. It's always been that way. I mean, again, watching Housewives, we know it is literally every man for himself. I mean, I also watch the, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bachelor Nation um, resident. So <laughs> there's no, if you want to talk about people being every man for themselves, it's a, a brawl. So if that's any indication of what we're all dealing with, reality TV has shown us um, it's best to just pray over it and just do your best because mm. you can't rely on the other I think I think Nini didn't she say it to Portia because Portia wanted somebody to kind of be there for her and guide her through the way and Nini was like that's not how it works you yeah know, come in strong no one's gonna take care of you and you yes. better find your way to the top and I was like yes like Wendy is doing on Potomac right now yeah, she is like she came in hot and everyone's like she's coming in too hot I'm like have you no, I love her housewives 
No, Wendy is a- It is the Hunger Games and Wendy is feeding She's on these carcasses. She is amazing and I love her. Yes, she's yeah. really doing it. She's like, girl, I came to play. <laughs> no, Dina said this last episode. I, I bet she was about to say it right now. Dina, do you want to say it? Leah always gets the credit for being like the kind of most um easy to kind of fall into a, a show where you feel like she's always been around and her entrance mm-hmm. into her pony i actually am not as big a fan of her i think as the rest of the world and I, I i don't know if dina would agree with that part of the statement but i i mean she's fine but i absolutely love wendy like i think she is the best first season housewife probably that I can ever remember and she came in with all these really well-established character stories and women who she was sort of only peripherally around and she feels to me like she's always been there like Katie who Mm -hmm. like I feel like she's always been around I love her and I love Eddie and I love their story and I feel so emotionally attached to everything I love Nigerian parties I want to be invited and I just she's amazing shower me as a baby (laughs) yeah I need that I mean that would be lovely just outfits and everything I love like she in the last episode was wearing that full green skirt and I was just like hello Wendy let's be friends dresses so well I love the way Wendy dresses I mean Potomac pretty much with the dressing besides kind of I feel like Giselle and and Robin Mm -hmm. and Ashley they really bring it they definitely try I think, yeah, they definitely do try. I think that what's important is a little bit of perspective. Um, I mean, that's that's my home area. That's my home front. So we are not fancy, snazzy dressers. That's not our thing. Like we have, I know people who are very fancy and snazzy. We definitely have the money for it. But the thing is, our biggest uh, employers overall in the entire D.C., Maryland, Virginia area is the federal government. So we are wearing suits 90% of the time. When people, you know, when the millennial wave came to DC, they were going to be working at nonprofits and in corporate, the corporate offices. Like they, it's really just a matter of, are you going to the federal government or private industry? It's not like Beverly Hills or even Atlanta, which is like this black Hollywood mecca where people are designers, everyone has boutiques. There's so many creative clothes and fashions. I went to get tacos downtown in January and the men were outdressing me and I was like, I need to go home. I'm underdressed for tacos <laughs> at happy hour at 5 p.m. I was underdressed. This man, beautiful man, flawless face, great haircut. He was wearing a Gucci fanny pack over like a netted shirt that showed his very chiseled body. And I suddenly was like, I don't even want the tacos anymore. Like I was just <laughs> drink tequila straight or like something. Like I don't even want the tequila give me the tequila because I can't do the calories. And he was dressed honey and I'm like is he going out after this this is for tacos like I was very Atlanta is a place to play they dress here I was online to go into a museum it was a T.I.'s trap museum and the girl had on a crossbody that was a purse it was a phone like a phone like a like it has a phone and it's a jack and you put it on there and it's a purse and I was like I am underdressed to go to the museum so it's simply <laughs> And, not, and in, of course, New York, obviously, this Manhattan. And so, and, but Potomac, that's not really, they have the money, but that's not going to be their first priority. They're all very much so 
who do you know? Like think back to even Housewives of DC. It's the same group of people. It's the exact same yeah. kind of circle. They're all in the exact same areas. It's really nothing changed except for the women, but it's the exact same everything else. It's way more political. Who do you know? And it's like, oh, well, my friend is the anchor. I mean, you see in season, I think two or three, Sharice is arguing with Giselle or they're like comparing that, you know, who is closest to the Obamas, like how they're, how close um, they are. And Sharice yeah, is like, yeah. oh, well, my daughters play basketball with uh, with Malia. They're nice, lovely girls. And so, oh, my daughters go to school. Like, it's, it's more of that. Like, we're all kind of more politicized in that way. Yeah. So we're, my mom wears, like, suits and dresses. So I think she's snazzy for the, for the federal government. And they think she's, like, a little too snazzy. But it would never make it in, like, a Kyle Richards, Dorit, like, Erica Jane world, honey. Like though they're they're dressing for for you know Vogue for Rome. They're going places. These women are like, I got this at the mall and it was expensive, so I'm gonna wear it. And that's it. That's the only criteria that is expensive. That's it. But I disagree though. I think Monique dresses good no matter what city she's well, in. Monique, like Monique was a football wife. Yeah. So she's also going up against, you see the wag, the wag lifestyle. She's going up against other teams, too. Like, she's going to other games. But I also bringing it this season. Like, I've been, like, stalking Karen this, like, on on social media and everything, going through all of her different, like, Mm, mm -hmm. And I think Karen has stepped it up. Mm. Yeah, okay. Brings it with certain pieces. Yeah, and I, I forgive her for wearing knockoff fashion. Oh uh, yeah, we don't care. We I mean it's fine. We her understand. intention was pure. We're on a budget. Yes, and she she was saving Ray finances. Yeah, she had, yeah. You know, she put her fat. money to her family. She sold her yes. and that's what matters. And she moved her bass back to Potomac. Okay, that yeah. was a hard, expensive move. Her, but she's like priority. Okay, and she needed I, that singer to announce her presence. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. That's that was the money, money well spent. Yeah, yeah. Well and I'm I'm proud of Karen. I will say poetically, the best they've all ever looked collectively as a group for all five seasons was the night of the winery barn fight. Oh, they yeah. all looked sensational. Amazing. Like, incredible and I was like well that's poetic because <laughs> everything's gonna get messed up so, I mean I said this Otomic what what are your thoughts on like the most recent episode especially how with the two events and how Wendy got into it with Karen to everything what were your kind of thoughts of this episode um I think it's actually so sad that Karen is doing all this work to appear neutral and both sides are like we don't want to be involved now so karen did all that work to be in the middle and be friends with both and both are like no that's it for me i'm good because monique is like why wouldn't you tell candace to press charges candace is like why wouldn't you tell monique that she did wrong so they're both unsatisfied with the level of support because that's housewives. It's never enough. You have to be like 10 toes down on the side of that person. That is the way we play housewives. If you do not openly just say you hate them, you're not on my side and you're not my friend. And I'm, I, I expect it differently from you and I'm disappointed. And that's exactly how they're both, you know, being. Um, it was obviously a good episode i was at the brunch event yeah i was gonna say 
for the podcast and I saw my ass sipping tea on TV and I was like, oh my goodness. I knew my hair was going to be in it because I saw the, the previews, like someone had sent it to me. And then my, um, one of my favorite internet friends, because I have like a dozen, uh, a few dozen at this point, it wasn't my internet friend really. But Steven from Faces by Bravo was like, hey, I just saw the screener, like I just saw the episode early and you're in it. And I was like, no, I just saw my hair. He was like, no you're in it and I was like what and then <laughs> the amount of times I've actually gotten this picture of me just sipping tea and they're like was that on purpose I was like no yeah I wanted some tea before I started drinking well I feel like that could be like the literal cover for like your podcast like sipping the tea while you're spilling it, it. I love well it at this point <laughs> but I will it say was a really you're- fun event your answer though was so um interesting but you didn't quite share I'm curious do you have a side that you feel more strongly on in terms of the fight or do you not want to take sides I know you were at Monique's event so I don't know if that speaks to where your heart is so yeah no at that time like and I've, I've made this I've made this point before at that time the only reason why it's like hard to pick a side is because Candace is right. We were all led to believe something very different had happened at the time. We were all led to believe by the media and whomever is responsible. We will never know. It'll be definitely like a radar online situation on Beverly Hills with Dorit and the doll. We don't know who leaked it, right? Could be someone in the can, could be her, we don't know. But they were definitely telling us that Candace had like, like thrown a glass or thrown wine at Monique and Monique was just reacting we have now seen it that's not necessarily what happened and people are still finding out new stuff every day when they slow this damn thing down but at the time I was going off of that idea and it wasn't like a oh I'm team Monique I've never liked Candace I find her very annoying I find it I like Chris I love Chris I love I don't like her and I get very frustrated because I'm just like she's she's a good enough housewife villain to be annoying and constantly badgering get her and let her mouth get her in trouble I just don't think that means that she deserves to literally be physically assaulted but I also don't agree that Monique is of course the quintessential example of what it means to be a black woman and I would never put that responsibility on her to like oh you ruined it for us like girl no she's a housewife this is housewives no one's looking at housewives to be the beacon of elegance. Like no one's looking at it like, no, there's how a classy woman acts. Like that's never been the case in season one of Orange County. So, like, I mean, can we remember Naked Wasted? Like come, come on. <laughs> so I'm not looking at, you know, Monique, I'm not pressing charges against Monique in my mind of like what she did was so wrong. I do think it's respectability politics, but I also think she's milking it for all she got. When she took that baby of Ashley and started kissing on the baby, holding the baby, I was like, all right, Mrs. President. Like, that's exactly, it felt very politician-y. So I've maintained that I am team the table um, because the table was minding its own business and it was simply doing its work and just holding itself up. And all of a sudden, the velocity, as Robin spoke of, and the wine that Monique is, uh, you know, got in contact with, everything started flying and it was not expecting that. And you know what, I'll add this here. This is a new perspective. I'm also team Candace's wig. Maybe not Candace, but I think she's missing out on a major marketing opportunity because that is the best wig glue or security of any kind of hair I've ever seen. Because she laughed at her. 
like oh 24 I, seconds. I said this in an episode. Like, my winner of the fight was a tie between Candice's wig glue and Karen's cape. I thought both of Good them thing. did their best work that episode. We saw that flying cape wig and we saw seen. a wig on beautifully. I mean, Candace literally popped up and all I could think about was Snooki on Jersey Shore when she was fighting um, Angelina and like came up and was still cute and was like, I'm still pretty, I'm still pretty. I was looking at yes. Candace like, good How for you. That? Before That's she even amazing. left the barn, the wig fell back into place. Now, let me tell you something. I don't wear wigs, but I'm willing to invest. <laughs> I think do. she has a company doing just that though. She so does I really have a company. I just don't know if, it's, that. if that's the one that she wore. She well, should I will say this. She should, it, you know, and be like, see the wig here? Yes. Excellent idea. Yeah. And I really think that instead of like every episode talking about how she's a victim, she should talk about what she, you know, has succeeded during this fight, which is having this wig stay beautifully in place. She looks gorgeous and she can now use that to have a whole new kind of level for her business i would be very yes. impressed with that i think candace is missing uh, where i where i get off with her is that she takes the victim role as if she thinks that that's the one that's going to get her the most amount of attention um mm. and i and i get it because obviously her mom this is the most that her mom's been on her side that we've seen in years her mom is like are you okay calling checking on her like hey are you okay we need to press charge you need to be safe i want to make sure you're okay and i think that she's milking it a little bit for that reason um mm. and then i also just I, monique's not remorseful so I, I almost wish she would just stand up in that and i think they're both missing it thinking that they have to do what they're doing but it doesn't come off as authentic um i don't think i think if candace was like i don't even care that she did it because i'm still cute and i still don't give a fuck and it's fine like i am myself and i look great and she didn't get me that friendship is over i know i did nothing wrong if she just did that instead of going boo hoo the person that i wasn't even friends with anymore like made me really solidify that i'm not friends with her like we already knew that y'all were on the outs and if monique just instead of going y'all pray for me because this is getting really bad and I just I just keep me in your prayers but then she's like but I'm not sorry and anybody could get it and I'm like then which is it like <laughs> I think they're both that they have to do what they're doing to get the respect and stuff of the viewers and they're playing that game but it doesn't work we don't work like that you can't tell us what to think as a, as a collective audience it's the same thing that happened with Denise and you know the houses of Beverly Hills we all would have been anti-Denise if they all didn't gang up on her Everyone would have been like, oh, well, you know what? Denise is lying. I mean, we probably still wouldn't have cared because I don't care. Like, it's not something to care about. But you can't tell us what to think as a community and say, hey, everyone, we're all going to rally together and go against this person and don't look at anything else. We're going to be like, is that it? Okay, so now what? Like, there's got to be some holes. We go digging. So I think that's what we're doing now with Monique and is We're going digging. There's something else happening here. No, I completely agree. But that's why I think when I was watching the final scene between Karen and Robin, not Robin, and Wendy, for me, all I was thinking about is that the why, like even Karen said to Wendy, you're ignorant, is because Karen's coming from it knowing that they all were at that dinner planning this before the season started. So she's mm -hmm. thinking about like, she's sticking up for both women and she was the one that told Monique. That's how Monique found out because Karen told her not Candace. So I think in her head, she's thinking like, well, there's so much of a bigger picture than what 
is being displayed on camera. So at least in my head, that's how I felt. So I, I felt actually very bad for Karen, maybe because I feel I am Karen in this situation. Because <laughs> I think with both of them, they were wrong. And I could see like both point of views. But with Candace, I agree with you. I don't understand how she can take no responsibility. Right. And even if you say, you know, I didn't uh, deserve to get my ass beat, that's fine. No one really deserves. I mean, I can think of a few people. But in this situation, <laughs> to me, this did not warrant an ass beating. There is so many fights between them and other people that I'm like, if there was ever a time we were going to drag somebody by their wig across the table, this was not the one. It wasn't a do we love, do you love me or not? That was the wrong fight. But I think when Candace's therapist just asked her, anything you want to talk to she was like no mm -mm, uh -uh, mm -hmm. nope not at all I was like well that's not the right answer so as we were going back and forth from scene to scene I was both looking at both of them like well that's not it well that's not it like, none of this is right <laughs> but I think with Candace because we there's so much focus on Monique not taking uh, I hate to say this word every time I say it I feel like Teddy but accountability but um, I think that one of my issues with Candace is that she herself has a history of violence. This episode, she tried to argue with Karen and suggest that Monique has this long history of violence. And so that's partly why she's deserving of being ostracized. And I understand from the perspective that if someone was violent against me, I would you know, be arguing against that person, but it lacks a certain self-awareness since literally the plot line last story, last season was about you pulling a knife on someone. And it was slightly in right. jest because it was a butter knife, but her, her now husband literally had to hold her back because she was so lunging forward on this other person. Well, if we remember that actual episode, that fight, Wendy was taking things out of her hands. Because he thought that Candace was probably going to be the one who was going to get in trouble for right. you know, whatever, yeah, whatever. I think she was like, oh, just in case. Yeah. Yes, and she grabbed the glass as well. So she knew that that was certainly within the bounds of, of what realistically could, ha could have happened. So it was just very annoying. I think that's my problem because obviously I think most people who are watching are not in any way condoning Monique's behavior whether you like her or not you can like her and also say oh but it was okay like Candace deserved it no one deserves to be physically attacked like that for the most part and like you said for there's the there's a few part. yeah there's Again, a few like Hitler's people, you know but you a few yeah. outliers that stand out in my brain yeah but in the general like 99.9 yeah. percent like it's probably not like what you would you you they don't deserve it but that doesn't mean that in Candace's case, like she has the right to sort of stand as someone who is the face of innocence. Yes, no, I think if you are a victim of an assault, that is one thing, but to say that you are innocent in this fight is a total lie. But then I'm also looking at Monique, like when she's going, well, sometimes words are just as bad as an assault. And I'm like, no, honey, like that's not right either. Look, everyone is so wrong. And everyone is in the neighborhood of right. Like they're in the neighborhood, yeah. but they haven't quite found the house. But the fact that the fact that the courts threw it out, they completely dismissed the case. I find so interesting because it speaks to the fact that even in terms of the law, there wasn't like a 
a, a wrong person in the because they probably had all the footage and more they had yeah. you know access so to information I, I that we probably don't lawyers reach out to me and they were like um in the state of maryland and I'm gonna butcher the fuck out of this. Can I curse on here? I'm so sorry. Yes, please. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> otherwise, have fun. Editing. You don't. You so be sorry. naughty. No need to be nice. <laughs> okay. So I was like, I am. I'm probably gonna mess this up, but they said something in the realm of in the state of Maryland, you're allowed to basically press charges, almost like a counter charge of like, you don't think the police or whomever, or like the investigator or the, the court like, did enough, um, they did enough digging into what happened, like investigation into what happened to prosecute. And I think that we get a little hint of that being her, Monique's lawyer's plan when she said that if they only went off of Candace's side, she could have been arrested immediately. So she pressed counter charges to kind of be like, you need to look further in this because there's like two sides to this because like I could sue for assault too or something like that. So if you just solely went off of her thing and you made it seem like I did it, you could also, I have a case here too and they can't sue both people in the same case. So, or they right. can't like charge both people in the same case necessarily. It makes it very difficult. Like they could, but it would be so much more work and combing through the footage and everything so that she kind of did it as, as a means to they uh, the, the people that have dm'd me have been like it's kind of like a tactic to kind of get it thrown out it's a help yeah that that process of being like you're just not going to find an answer here of who actually did the clear-cut assault because it's a little too complicated so that is the gist of what i got and why she did it and i was what's funny is they were all telling me this as like a means that lawyers will do before we saw the previews of Monique just being like blowing that entire idea out of the water and just being malicious. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, she presses counter charges. Like, so obviously she really doesn't care or whatever. She, and they're like, no, I think that it's because she wants to get it thrown out. And it's just a legal tactic because you could do that in Maryland. And Monique was like, nah, I wanted to be mean. I wanted to get her back. How dare she? I was about to apologize. Though she didn't know that, how dare she try to charge me before I apologize in my head to her? Like, how is she supposed to know? But you took two weeks, and that's my only thing. It's like, you took two weeks, and there was silence. So we were once friends. Like, and I'm looking at Chris, too, but I understand why he's on her side, uh, on Candace's side, obviously, because he's her husband. But he's like, me and this man had a relationship and no one has said anything to us. So Kansas had nothing but time to spew on this. The same way Monique is like, well, it's all coming back to me now. So again, Candace, I get, I feel in the, in the realm of legality, Monique is more, I'm less Monique side than, on, than Candace is. But in the realm of thought, Candace is annoying as hell. I just don't think this was the time to pull her hair, you know, and drag her across the table and try to punch her and then threaten that you're going to kill her like running around the barn. I think Monique just had a lot going on and she snapped. But again, she could have just apologized at some point. And it wasn't like, and I think Candace was probably asking producers like, are y'all telling her she can't talk to me? Like, is this, what is it? Like, what is it that, that's taking her so long? But I really think they were like, nah, we didn't stop her. And so they... She's, you know, hurt. I think she's hurt. Candace is hurt. Do you believe that Candace was involved with the Green-Eyed Bandits? In some, so do you think that they plotted against Monique and she found out? I think that because I, I, I think that Monique and Giselle started filming this season together 
and we were all like, huh? And I think that was a tactic because she, there was, was rumors that Giselle was going to bring all of this, all these things to light last reunion. And Monique kind of stopped it and nipped it in the bud. And she's now like buddy, buddy with Giselle to kind of keep that from happening and coming out, which I can understand that is the housewife way. Keep your enemies mm. very, very close, right? But then I think Candace kept going because Sharice kept going. And Sharice, Monique fell out because of this. And then Candace was like, well, you know, I'm keeping her, bringing her around. And I think it truly shocked the fuck out of Monique at that party. Yeah. At Candace's party, like, what is she doing here? This is, like, this is my friend's party. And you're, like, making it awkward. And she has a mic on her. There's a boom mic over her. Like, what is happening? I think it almost makes me feel like this is a hot take, but it almost makes me feel like there might be some truth to it. Like this, this woman is very anxious about this getting out. And I don't think that it's simply because, because she said, I want what happens live, which I'm surprised that she said it. Cause I really think you can get in trouble for talking too much like that. And I wish they would stop having housewives on. I watch what happens live all together because we have a reunion people. But she said she was trying to show the people that her her husband is not the father of her baby and in my mind i've never had anyone attack my family like that so i don't want to presume but in my mind this trying to stop every single avenue of this coming out on tv it seems like a lot if it's not true like not saying that this particular thing is true but if any part of it could have been true or there's some kind of illusion if there's any kind of receipts to any kind of an affair or anything in the same realm of idea, I think that it, it's possible because she's working overtime to keep this to herself. And I think she worked so hard at Giselle and keeping it away from coming out of Giselle's mouth because Giselle's like, well, this is karma, bitch, because you definitely brought Kendall on here, my ex's ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, to do the same thing. So mm. Monique is like, oh no, my karma, I must stop this. and. I, I honestly think that she's so anxious that this is going to come out. And I think that it's because there's a receipt. Whether or not it's the truth, I don't know. But I think that there's some kind of proof other than just talking about it that made her snap at Candace when Candace was like, I just love everyone. And she's like, really, bitch? And then just started to start smacking. And it just seemed like such an intense reaction to I love you. <laughs> I had um, watched her on um, Cocktails with Queen and she was basically, Monique, and Monique was talking about basically how like a lot of this isn't about what happened on the show and that like none, none of this actually has to do really with Candace. It's that they were all planning this behind the scenes and with stuff personally that she was going through as well. She said she just ended up putting all of it on Candace. So I know that it, I believe. I, when did you see that? Because I have a theory that Monique also just reads the comments of things and then like changes everything. Says like, everything <laughs> about her changes is conformed by what she hears so it could be that it's smart though she's doing that good for her that's how she's surviving the game but it was about i watched it it was from a week ago and i watched it like two or three days ago and i it was it's interesting because i keep trying to go through all her interviews because she keeps saying that at the reunion she is going to show like how all these women she says she has a lot of receipts and she's going to show how all these women had been planning and planning and how like 
mentally screwed with her head as well as with everything else she said privately. Well, I really have a take on your take, which is that I think that even though it was sort of the plot line of Ashley, and I've said this before, but I, I really do think it, I think that Monique also had some sort of postpartum depression. I think that it was even likely that T'Challa was um, purchased at the suggestion of a therapist to get a therapy animal or pet. Yeah. And I think that, like, for me, I don't know necessarily if there was receipts or not, if there was something that maybe she did have a connection with, with someone that was too much or something. But I definitely think that if it isn't true and the what I've said before is true in that she had also was working through this depression that to me someone threatening your family when you already feel like you're falling apart it it seems to me especially when her husband seems very disconnected from her emotionally I'm not saying in a deeper sense I'm just saying what sort of presented with us on the show he seems very unaware yeah so I feel like when you kind of couple that if you feel like you're about to lose everything you don't even know what you're fighting for you one could argue that that's sort of the exact moment where you see people snap, where where everything oh, is yeah. being so pushed and pushed and pushed. And to find out that, because that, I will disagree with one thing. I think that probably Ashley more than Monique has go, gone to a lower depth in terms of trying to um, hurt their castmates with information coming up. Like, you know, Ashley actually with Monique when she tried to suggest that she was an alcoholic and that's why... She crashed her car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And like the the baby and everything. Like, I think that these women are not really um, taking into the, the timeline and the whole history of Monique. Monique's actually had some really devastating things happen to her physically that would have emotional effects. I really do. I think that Monique spends so much time trying to be perfect on tv like yes. i rewatched season two uh, i forget what episode it is and it's like a contrast episode between candace and chris being on the rocks before they get married oh, yeah. and then monique and chris uh her chris being so solid going to a winery and having like the charcuterie and having a date night and saying i love our date nights and i just love how much we date in the middle of the week and we get the sitter and you love me and he was like you know what you need to go on a trip for your birthday. Now, granted, that's Bravo. But like the the whole idea of we are this perfect loving couple. We have all these kids and we still love to hang out together and we love to have dates. And we're so on top of our romantic relationship to the, the, the and they always say that you can't try to put on a facade coming on house because they will fall. But you will mm. be exposed. And I think that trying to be perfect is truly backfiring on her. And it's truly becoming so hard for her to juggle it all that she is letting it show so much and it's slipping through the cracks. And I think, I think she just snapped, but I'm also a person who does not believe that a woman should be ostracized and made to be this pariah because she snaps. Humans snap. It is literally, you cannot not snap. You're going to snap. It just so happens she did it on camera. I can think of many a time that I felt threatened enough that I've snapped. It's, it's not something you're proud of, but Again, my issue with Monique is her reaction 
to what happened versus what happened. I actually don't have too much issue with the fight. And I know people are like, what? I really don't. Because in my mind, I've watched Housewives long enough to know people fight. Like, they do. I've watched many other shows to know people fight. Like, this is what they want to happen. This is what producers wanted to happen. I'm also not going to put this on Monique because Bravo has promoted and marketed the fuck out of this fight. They have made money off of this fight. So to put it on her that she's done some terrible carnal sin because she snaps, I'm like, no, she has a lot of pressure on herself. They all do. And Monique just snapped. This was her turn. Karen almost snapped when Ray told her that she didn't love her on national TV. Her snap just looks different. She went up to the closet and was like, I can't do this. Like, they all snap. That's the whole point of Housewives, is that they are so themselves. And we see so many different aspects of their entire lives. They're, we're literally peeking into the corners of their lives. Like every room is messy for them. And it's like, you know, you have a guest coming over and it's like the first time they've ever been to your house. You clean every goddamn thing, thinking that they might take a tour of the whole thing. She stopped cleaning. I think she genuinely was like, okay, let me just clean the front floor, the front room then, or like the first floor. And I'll just make sure I don't take anyone up to the top floor. And now we've made it up to her top floor and it's not clean. And she's not, she's embarrassed by that. But that's like, I don't have an issue with that. It's unfortunate and Candace didn't deserve it. But if you think that this person was your friend and they just keep coming for you and coming for you and coming for you, it doesn't really matter when they do it again. You're just, it's like, you know what? Anytime is enough, I'm over it. And if you're over it, you're over it. Her threshold was reached. And it's unfortunate what happened. I don't think it'll be salvaged. I don't think Candace deserved it, but I do understand it. Mm. You can't really push someone to their edge and then be upset at what happens when you push someone that far. But I also feel like the same people who pushed her and pushed her to get a reaction from her are trying to hold the reaction towards her as if it's Giselle. like her full character. Like Giselle really has been annoying me. Yeah, but Giselle, every interview I hear with Giselle, she said it on Watch What Happens Live. She keeps mentioning that Monique still hasn't apologized and it's been a year and I was thinking to myself that that's very bizarre because I mean I am not a lawyer I'm the daughter of one but I am <laughs> I know I know that like if something becomes a legal issue anything you say kind of to quote law and order can and will be used against you in the court of law yes. so partly an apology couldn't come at that point they said it on the episode a little bit as and well assuming but, fault it's like when you hit someone's yeah. car the moment you leave right your number or name you've assumed fault we now can't even argue what happened you've already said i did it it's me and that's exactly yeah we don't know so because of that I feel like you know and then after you have this nasty court case you're not calling someone up and being like white flag like I'm sorry I wish it didn't get no. this far like, Especially like when you know you're it doesn't happen obligated to hang out with them again at the reunion but she yeah. knows this is all gonna come and in Candace of course is gonna just try to double down on the victimhood and I think that Monique is just it's unfortunate but again it's 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 I would challenge people before you go and tell me, us, the lovely Solomon sisters, whose side you're on and why we wrong. It's much better to just be on nobody's side. There's nobody right in this situation. Yeah, no if you really think someone is, you're more so just seeing yourself in that situation. And that's fine, which is why there is no side. You know, though, who is wrong, Giselle? Because <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but she keeps making some really like weird points like her saying about you know her image 
like can't you something a thing about it? There is no image. No. There's no <laughs> such thing as an image of Giselle Bryant that Jamal hasn't already ruined. No, yeah, and it's not like she's a first lady presently. Uh, it's something that she exactly her husband disgraced that whole situation already in the past. Like she wrote a book about it. Like you can't Hello. He's having babies with the congregation. That's already and, and you don't even know it seems like they don't even know how many babies are out there. But even yeah, the dad is surely confused. No, no, that was very I don't think anyone knows how many babies he has but i also thought them in the car one what was he saying i could not follow also they seem like really good mm -hmm. friends they like the way they said goodbye yes was, they, they, they're more co-parents yeah mm -hmm. it was like it, they had no chemistry i don't see any chemistry at all I, none giselle's picture is off it's so off i'm like you might as well just take a break honey i think that she's so much She's so powerful that she just keeps looking for powerful men, but I don't think she's attracted to powerful men. I think she more so needs a man who is just secure, who is like, okay, you go ahead, you do you, you be you, and I will be me. And she needs more of like a secure beta because she keeps dating these big alpha men who I'm like, they don't like you. They don't like how powerful you can be and how much of a presence you are. And you don't like them. No, I completely mm. agree. I feel like I think he's married. Alana and I discussed this on the last episode, but I think she needs to date somebody like Uncle Lump. Oh my God. Yes. Uncle Lump is so fantastic. I love I Uncle think Lump. He's great. And he like really that you know, you know, my I don't know if y'all have heard this on my show, but my theory really is that Ashley and Michael had some kind of arrangement, like open marriage type thing. And her family didn't know about it. So the fact that he keeps getting sloppy, it's not because he just is like, I think he's always been that sloppy. He just never had that many people who could recognize him before. And now her family is finding out and she is like, if you don't get more discreet, like, because the family seems very shocked. Like, what? A woman? You're kidding. And she seems very... <laughs> I will leave this man. I'm not afraid to leave this man. He's like, okay, but I think that's the reason why she got another baby. Because she's like, you know what? I'm having another baby. We're doing this post nut, and you're gonna get more discreet, or I'm out. I, did you hear on Watch What Happens Live? She's like, oh no, he's been very well behaved. So I've been really, um, you know, laissez faire about getting the post nut done. I was, oh I was shocked when she said that. I was like, this guy. Even if it there was no within... such thing as well behaved as a spouse. Yeah, There's no, you don't get an option of bad behavior. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, this guy, whether it's like within the bounds of what was once okay, at least what she said in the therapy session was that she's no longer okay with that behavior. So I would think, especially, especially because he made her re-sign the prenup. Hello. When they got back together, that this mm -hmm. like post up would be a way for her to know, just like she did this to make him secure in her intentions, that his intentions are to be on her page. It felt very much like, is this a real relationship? This is all for the show. I completely agree. I didn't, I did hear you say the family on your podcast. I had always said it was because of, or we had said because of Karen and the girls, because I thought Ashley thought the girls wouldn't be comfortable with that kind of lifestyle, like the old. Yeah. Movie. 
Although I do think Uncle Lump is genuinely shocked. And her mama is genuinely like, what the hell is going on? I think Ashley's doing all of this as a payback for him. I think because he did get caught. She's like, so you're going to go on TV and we're going to have these sessions that are going to make you look bad. And I'm going to give you these looks like, yep, you did this. But she's maybe you're right. She's not because he definitely talked to the producer like, are y'all happy? Yeah, yeah. What she wanted, and, and she was eating like, her salad dipping, like this is fine. And yeah, Corona, like, mm, um, okay. <laughs> I and love that. Like, mm, this was real life, and as she's between what? bites of, of lettuce leaf. <laughs> what an asshole he is to be like. You're hungry. I can't believe you're hungry at a time like this. And she's like, Yeah, because I didn't fucking do anything. So yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah. And she's breastfeeding. Are you kidding? She's losing like 600 calories. So I'm so because I I cheated. Yeah, no. Keep it in your pants. He's such a douche when they're at the um at the therapy. Therapy. And he keeps trying to bring back about how if they didn't have the baby, she'd be fine with this lifestyle. And he also keeps- he keeps blaming his father. And I'm like, honey, you are grown, grown. Like yeah. you're all grown. He is grown, grown, grown. That yeah, is an elder man with children who are grown. You have who might have children themselves. Yeah, no, you're old enough to be a yeah, if you're old enough to be a grandfather, you probably shouldn't like have like reference your daddy issues anymore. And I'm not saying that in the sense of like he is like beyond help. I'm saying that he has had the option to get therapy, to get help, to work through these issues for almost two times the amount of years that Ashley's been on the fucking planet. So to say that that's your reasoning for why you're mistreating and disrespecting your wife and the mother of one of your kids, like, that's bullshit. Because you had time to rectify this and reconcile this. Because if it came so easily in the couples therapy, it would have come just as easily when you were 28, 32, 41, 47, 56, 65. Like, what are you talking about? You cannot blame your daddy as a grown elder man. I think you've just said that so perfectly. Do you watch Below Deck as well? I do watch Below Deck and I'll definitely be watching this upcoming season because I like Captain Lee. I am not a, a Sandy fan. So I dipped in and out of this season because the mean girl thing really just annoyed me like I've seen it done one too many times and I've seen it done better this was done poorly um I'm not I, I honestly just like none of the it was like a really weird losers mean girl it's like if it is as if we watched mean girls and instead of it being you know like Gretchen and Regina George and oh god what a Karen it was just like a team of caddies or <laughs> being like, it'd be like if we watched The Never Wears Prada and Emily Blunt was the cool one, but she was the one who was in Andy Sachs's shoes. That's what it felt like. It felt like <laughs> we were in the wrong place. Like Hannah was the cool girl, but somehow she was being like taken down by like a bunch of like bees. And I'm like, no, no, this is ridiculous. Like, in no way is someone as bitchy and mean and blonde as Hannah being taken down a peg by these women. That's crazy. Like, so no, I didn't really, I did thinner now, but I did see parts of the reunion, you know, because of what else was there to watch in a global pandemic. So I watched that. This is my biggest 
like annoyance right now in this world because I've watched Emily in Paris. I watched. I did too. Yeah, I watched things that I would not have watched had Bravo done better and taken <laughs> more time to create content for people who would have eaten it right up. And I feel like yes. they they gave us a season that felt almost as torturous as the pandemic in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And now they've given us dead air. And I personally am a fan of all the below decks and I'm enjoying it and I'm rewatching it right now because I've just finished rewatching mm-hmm. Potomac from the beginning and I needed something, but I need more. And when I go to relax and there's nothing new on, an anger and a heat inside me grows and mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. who I'm supposed to yell at, but someone needs yelling. I am rewatching for my Patreon, I'm rewatching season four of Orange County. And that's mm-hmm. the very first season of Gretchen, which I missed. I came in the Gretchen when and Slade were together. So this is Gretchen and Jeff. And this was early oh. on. And the first thing that caught my attention that I really didn't even do anymore on any of the housewives is the price tags. They are yeah. showing us the money. And I'm like, oh, like this is something that's so new to me. Because we have not seen it for like a solid five years. They're showing us the actual opulence, and they actually address, like, this is the time where Tamara thinks she's the hottest housewife, so she keeps saying that she's the hottest housewife, and she and Gretchen are like, everyone's like, well, Gretchen's really hot, and Tamara's like, well, I maintain that I'm the hottest housewife, and Vicky is selling that insurance, and she's like, well, none of the work and I do, and Gina's selling homes, like, it was very, it's very new when you rewatch it in the sense of what's happening now, and it's like, very refreshing because you're just like Lynn is selling cuffs, honey. So Fred Siegel, she is out here making cuffs with a hot glue gun <laughs> and giving it to Fred Siegel. They're having trunk shows and spending it'll be like Tamla spent six thousand dollars, Gretchen spent four thousand dollars, and I'm just like, This is what I kind of needed. So I'm doing that, but of course, I'm also watching The Bachelorette, and that's really I've gotten people on board, people like I've never watched before. But this is a train wreck and I'm having a great time. I'm like, I know, because, and I don't, I disagree with people when they say like, this is not the best season to start. I think it is because this is so untraditional. This is the least traditional boring season that they've ever had. The girl quits in the middle of the damn show. She finds love with the man she met 10 days ago and is like, this is the one, I'm out, and then leaves. And they're like, uh, well what do we do like it's an absolute crazy ride not to mention it's, it's filmed in the middle of COVID it's like one of the first shows to refilm during COVID so it's like they're all trapped in this resort they're playing strip dodgeball because there's nothing else to do they can't travel anywhere like it's crazy and all these men are like we literally left our lives and couldn't do anything else in the world because everything else is shut down and we risked our lives to come here and you leave I love rude we have to try it we have to try it you're only so three the- episodes behind i highly suggest watching it on hulu because you can watch it ad free and that makes it feel like a lot shorter oh okay i love this thank you you're welcome join me on this journey i am yeah, you know, i'm convincing the people left and right i got danny pellegrino to admit he asked me all these questions because he's never watched like, this is his first time really getting into it so he's mm. like, I'm in it. And I think I'm having a good time. And especially in a time of like, there is no other co- content. And for people who love like those moments, if you love like when the wall is broke, the fourth wall is broken on Bravo, things like that. 
the bachelorette there is no fourth wall they they constantly reference the show the producers are constantly in and out it's, it's very common the producers are the most savage individuals i've ever seen on television they're absolutely nuts they should hire you to do the bachelor commercials because i have never ever wanted to watch the show and everything you just yay yeah i was gonna say like because conceptually the bachelor and the bachelor just don't interest me like i don't really love competition shows and competition for love is just so phony i'm not even lying i mean either i'm in it for people asking all the time like why do you watch because i'm in it for the delusion I yeah. love it. I love, I love delusion television. Yeah. And their ignorance, like they're in an ignorant bubble, but that's the thing. It never has anything to do with you. It never intersects your humanity, your rights, your thoughts, your feelings, your job, nothing. None of it has to do with you. Everything delusional and ignorant about them is solely about them. And so it's, it's truly escapism because then you know, I've talked about this. I love Bravo, but there have been times that I've been watching and I'm like, whoa, 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 that was racist. I don't like that. And I wasn't prepared. Yeah. Like, or that was sexist. I didn't like that. It, 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 you're not prepared for it. That so rarely happens on The Bachelorette because they comb it so, it's made for middle America. So they're trying to make it very, very, very cookie cutter. So I always say, and this might be wrong, people might actually love it for the love and the romance. And there have been a couple people that have worked out, so shout out to them. But that's not why I'm here. <laughs> I like it because for me, if you know what you're going into and you're like, I'm watching it for the delusion and holy shit, this is awkward. And oh my God, I'm just screaming at the TV like, what? No, this is so awkward. Like, then you're having fun. And if, real quick, if I could give you like a quick like teaser scene. There is a moment where she is sitting down and having like a one-on-one time with one of the men who, this is customary of a cocktail party, like right before the rose ceremony, she tries to talk to each of them. That's why they end up filming these cocktail parties and these rose ceremonies for like 12 hours, like into the next morning because, and they look tired and drained and disgusted because they're like been there all day in a suit. She's having a conversation with one of the men and she's like, okay, so tell me about you. And he's like, you know, I'm really excited to be here and I just want to get to know you. And she goes, so like, what made you come on the show? Because they can talk about the show on the show. And he goes, I mean, obviously you're gorgeous. I see you. And I just, I auditioned or I signed up for the show. And she's like, okay, so like, what about me did you like? And he goes, uh, he basically admits like short version that he don't know shit about her. He literally was just like, oh, she hot. And I came on. Like that's literally what he mentions to her face. And he tries so hard to get himself out of it. He goes, um, I mean, I don't know much about you, but I'm excited to learn. So you're from Sacramento, right? Like, born and raised. And she doesn't, like, let it slide because she's older. So she's like, no. Yeah, isn't she, track. like, 35? She's 39, and she keeps telling us, like, this is my last chance at love. I was like, girl, shut the fuck up. No, it's not. But it's like Carol in her last She summers. has failed four times on this exact show. Oh, she's, she's been on Bachelor Nation what? four times. She was on The Bachelor for Juan Pablo, that was a train wreck. Like that was literally, he's considered the worst bachelor in history because of how badly, that's how she got this season because she told him off at the proposal situation. And then she did Bachelor in Paradise, which is kind of like Love Island before Love Island was a thing. I love and Love she Island. And she didn't get married there. And she came back, did it again, failed at that too. 
And then she went on Bachelor like Winter Games, like during the Winter Olympics, got engaged, and that failed too. So now she's back and she's trusted these people to somehow do the same thing over again. And she's asking this man, like, why are you here? And the funny thing is, she is the most veteran person in this process, and he knew nothing about her. And she was like, well, a lot of guys will say like my drive or my ambition or something. He goes, well, I don't know. He's like, well, they don't know that about you yet. And she goes, yeah, they do. Because like, you can see it on the show. And he's like, well, um, um, and he goes, do we have to talk about that right now? And she goes, do we have to talk about that right now? Yes, this is the time to talk about it. And then, I mean, I won't spoil what happens, but like, it was just it's okay honestly i never thought someone yeah, could convince me to watch this and i'm legitimately going to watch yes. it and we'll get back to you about our yes, impressions because you DM have just me. like excited I will be back me on i might have you guys come on my patreon because i'm covering the bachelor there and like i'm loving having new season people like for the first time ever come on the show and talk about it because so many of the people who have signed up for the bachelor and patreon are like we don't know what the fuck we're doing here or what's happening but yeah. this is fun i'm having a great time watching yeah we would love love to so because i have we have just a couple more questions then we're gonna let you go yeah I no problem with the reunion with the little bit you saw did you mm -hmm. feel like hannah got her voice heard because i feel no I feel no as well. I think justice for Hannah, but I also think Hannah knew she wasn't going to have that kind of justice. So I think she came in it knowing she's chill. She has her baby. I think she ultimately wins, period. I think she's going to be just fine. I just think that Hannah's a veteran. She knows that Fanny has always had it out for her. She knows that this is not the first time this has happened. I think that, you know, her mug sat at all where she was like, you know, she was, she, she had like alcohol or something like that. And so it was something really cute and kitschy. And I think that was the point because she- I think it said, I need a value. Yes, she was like, I, and, and the whole drug thing, she's playing on that. She's like, okay, I know what they're going to do. And I really don't care because she's fulfilling, fulfilling a contract at that point. Well, I mean, I think she said it best too. And she was just, when Andy asked her, if she regretted it. And she's like, no, I made money and, you know, I'm good. Because I think her life is in a happy place. I don't think she wanted her career to continue in this industry. I mm -hmm. think she has grown past the job. And so she made a lot of money and did something. And she probably, honestly, it made her more memorable to a degree you know, like people are still going to talk about her. And because it wasn't necessarily something where it was like she did something wrong and so black mm -hmm. and white to the public, forget about maritime law, but just to the general public, they really rallied behind her. So I feel like in terms yes. of her long-term um, opportunities, especially within reality TV, I think she has a long career ahead of her. So yes. I don't know. I kind of, I, I think she didn't even try to fight it. I don't think she I don't didn't think get so her either. justice. Nobody. I don't think she got her justice, but I also just really don't think she gave a fuck. I think she was yeah. like, listen, See, I'm don't... here. I'll talk, but I know at the end of the day, I win. She yeah. was given the bare minimum. No, I agree. I mean, I think like the, she, the fuckery that was going on, she, <laughs> she had decided to move past That's it. what it is. Care for the fact I felt like Malia and Sandy the way it ended they had that arrogance that they had throughout the whole reunion and I was really hoping it is crazy to me how much they're doubling down on this yeah. bullshit 
Like so crazy. And then to have Hannah be asked to leave before the end, that's when I was like, Andy, I do not accept this. I find this hurtful. And I shall, you know, put this in my book and remember. I was more offended by Aisha and as poor quality of Wi-Fi. Like, this is a reunion. Dress up. Go somewhere where there's good internet. Like, this is not yes. okay. Go to your local Starbucks. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Up. Yeah, like, I felt like, honestly, I'm so excited when she came for the season and so excited when she was you know, on the the reunion episode, just it was like, even with Aisha, I don't feel like we got a lot from her. It's like, well, don't bring someone so great mm-hmm. back and not give us the most. I wanted to know more about the text when they were talking about the dirty text. <gasps> I know. It didn't really unfold it. And then Aisha was kind of caught in the lie that she did actually flirt with Rob. Rob admits that. Ooh. Well, but Rob was the one that said the naughty flirty stuff. Aisha even said, you could see it, says it was deleted before she could see it. But then Jess was claiming there was a back and forth. Yeah, that's why. I just wanted to know. But, you know, they didn't really give us A lot of loose ends there. And, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, I don't understand also why Below Deck still hasn't, like, established that they need their own actual reunion, not a watch what happens Below Deck special. It's so They're like one of the biggest shows now, like, of them all. Yeah, I don't think... I think it's. I mean, it's got three spinoffs. The 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 original. I mean, they're so like. Do you think that they would mm-hmm. treat each one with more respect? Yeah. So on a completely different note, because I've just always wondered. You you do have such an um. We both have wondered such an artistic way, and you're so funny with the way you put together your your memes. Oh, do you thank have you. That has been like kind of your favorite, or you felt like people responded best to within the Bravo world. Like meme wise, mm-hmm. oh honey, there's currently 526 posts on there. So, <laughs> I, um, I will say, I have a newfound appreciation for them when people tell me how much it, joy it brings them. That is something that makes me feel really special um, inside. I think um, I have two posts that I probably feel like it established for me how much this has grown beyond me because if you would believe it I have no idea who's listening to this I'm like I don't know the like what I think the numbers are fake I have no idea what's happening people are like oh my god congrats I'm like on oh, what like nothing so what are you talking about I truly am in disbelief every day so I there's the post that I do like when I promote my actual podcast when I did um and I had um Danny on the show I saw like two I guess like really good friends tag each other in the comments um and the girl one of the girls like she she mentions it and she mentions her friend and she says like okay like spells it out as if I how I always start my show and I am gonna not be a total like cheesy like weirdo and cry but I it brought me to tears the other day because I was like the idea that two people are like listening and that they're both friends and they, they, they bond over this or that they have this in common and I'm in the middle of it is, is the most humbling thing. And it's something I never, ever thought possible. I've never had some people request that I be on their show and then get excited that like I'd be on. I'm like, well, of course, like, to me, I, I don't understand the allure and maybe it's like a security thing that I probably need to work on but I don't get the hype of me I just am trying to have fun with people and have fun with myself and I'm just glad people like it and I make them feel really special 
Um, I will say, meme-wise, when Danielle Snyder on Bitch Dash did, she mentioned her favorite meme of mine. It made me re-look at it and really go, this is really funny because I think it's, um, it's, uh, it's, Nene is on it and it's her going, who? Like, yeah, and, that was a and that's my favorite, I think, right now because I have a new connection to it. And it says, um, when all you've been doing is watching good TV and someone brings up the drama of a real person you should know, and you're like, who? Because that has happened to me so many times. So like, I I listened to that episode, and when she said that, I was because I was listening to the podcast in the shower, and I was literally like, yes, me too. And my husband comes yeah. into the bathroom and was like, what? And I was like, oh, I wasn't talking to you. I was actually talking to nobody, really. But like, that's literally, I had... I laughed so hard when I read that. That was so accurate. And I, I, I can imagine actually for it's every kind crazy. of Bravo fan, but like that was the most accurate meme because I think girl, I've ever seen to my Netflix. life. We're watching the Hulu's, all these subscriptions I pay for. You want me to remember real people? That's yeah. Insane. Don't ask me that. Like I have a, at my best friend was talking like, oh, you know, as uh, you know, Camille. I'm like, who is that? And I'm like, you've literally met her a thousand times. I'm like, what does that mean to me? But the worst is when we just regaled everything that happened in Potomac season two in like an hour and a half. No, <laughs> but, but like the worst is when people will talk to me about someone who has like a housewife name, like they'll say, I don't know, like Kyle XYZ. And I'm like, on what episode? And then they're talking about a real person. Like that's how delusionally <laughs> yes, like yes. off the real world I live. Like I don't even first thought go to someone I know. I assume they're talking about my shows. It is so funny because when people say things about a person and tell me a story, I'm like, okay, and then what happened? They're like, oh, no, I don't know. I'm like, so when's the next episode? Like, give me the rest. <laughs> I don't understand. Why would you tell me a minimum story? Don't you know I'm watching OC season four again? I have the whole thing in front of me. Like, the Bachelorette is every week. Potomac is every Sunday. Like, where is the next update? I can't just wait in the wings for in the real time, time someone decided to do something crazy that's ridiculous like so I think though like that that's it's made me feel really good that people just connect with stuff I love getting DMs from people like you know the few that I am able to respond to because it's it's not my fault so if people listen to this it's not my fault because Instagram only tells me 20 people DM me at a time they don't tell me that there's more they only just say hey 20 and then when I go out and I refresh it updates the new 20 so once I get through that 20, it doesn't tell me that there's 150 more in the bottom. I just go scroll, scroll. Oh, everyone's gone. Okay, great. And they're like, no, honey, there's a thousand. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell me. <laughs> so, he made it through that 20. I feel yes. so honored. I was just I thinking tried. that. I was so selfish. I genuinely like, try to scroll. And I'm like, oh, this is someone. I don't understand. I read all the requests. I mean, I, I, I like to live on the edge. And sometimes the requests have some really strange, terrible people in there, honey. So I'm like, oh, no. But I try to, like, you know, filter them out as best I can. But whenever people DM me and they're like, you had me yelling in my car. Or, like, I was talking to you in the car. That's my favorite. Because I know Bravo can be, for as big of a community we are, it's such a lonely world. Like, there's no, there's yeah. never that many other people in your actual life that love it. So you're always, like, finding those people in these communities. So to be able to create a space for that where people are like, hey, I was talking to you on my way to pick up my kid or I was talking to you in the grocery store and a person looked at me like what who you talking to me like oh no I'm talking to somebody else but really nobody I love that it makes me very happy to know that people 
audibly respond and feel something yeah. when they see my memes or listen to my podcast because I mean I really just put it out there and just hope I don't ever get in too much trouble well we said it when, when the podcast started you know like listening to you and yeah, I think the reason people do have this like visceral engagement with you is because it is like listening to a friend and talking to a friend and not everyone can do that it's it's just you you have this way about you where I think everyone wants to be your friend and everyone feels like they already are your friend and they just want to be like your best friend because I mean what I, there's no everybody else in my life I'm like oh my podcast is good 2,000 downloads in a day and they're like cool it's like it's, it's, that, it's, that, it's like about the tv shows right and I'm like yes it's about the tv shows but not just the tv shows this I'm like oh I'm on the charts like wait for what and I'm like tv and film and they're like oh it's the housewives again and I'm like you know what never mind I posted to my stories and they're like yes girl you go love this this was funny and I'm like thank y'all for understanding that this is a thing like that we're doing something here and they're like oh yes let me go ahead and listen like at least other we all care that's what I love is that we care <laughs> no one else in our lives care about this shit but we do psychological work this is real things you are deep diving and I love thank this. you I try to journalism like I mean I didn't get a degree in it but I'll be trying to do my best journalistic efforts and, and bring it to are. the public we have a fun little game we like to play with our guests before we let you go. I love a game, yes. I loved having you here. But the game is called Call, Text, Delete. Okay. And basically, it's like, you know, fuck, marry, kill, but we're going to call, text, delete. Yes, without the, without the Luann. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. No count, count is not included. <laughs> so, we're gonna do Potomac and Alana. So you lead who our lovely ladies will be. So our three choices for you are Karen, Monique, and Candice. Call text delete. Karen, Monique, and Candice. Okay. Um, I like the way this is worded because it seems a little less um, like crazy. <laughs> I would definitely you have to tell <laughs> why delete, too okay I would delete Candace because that just seems like a lie and I don't ever want to be pushed to the point where I'm being charged and pulling people there on TV so I'm deleting Candace because I just will probably like leave her in the request pile like unsaved number like do you know this person I'd be like <laughs> um no I do not your and, phone who this <laughs> yes literally um, and then I would probably text Monique because then I can filter out what she says and how much access she has to my life because some things I don't always agree with, but I would at least think she'd be a fun texter. I think she'd actually be like fun. She's when she's not, you know, dragging bitches across tables. She's <laughs> actually quite funny and I think she's shady and I enjoy that. When she said Karen's house was cute, I died. I was like, this is <laughs> the best. So there's that. And then I would obviously call Karen because I think that she's like, I get why Candace believes her so wholeheartedly about pressing charges because she has a great motherly instinct and a big sister, like auntie vibe to her that makes you feel you can talk to her and trust her. And that she will hold you accountable, but she will also hold your hand. And that's what I really love about Karen. Yeah, we agree. Karen has the perfect balance between sort of 
like loving and sassy. Yes, yes, yes. And she's funny as all hell. So I know it'll be a good long conversation, like a two and a half hour. I love those. I live for those phone calls that are like two hours, three hours. I'm like, oh, we've been on the phone all day. I went from lunch to dinner with you. And I love that. I think Karen would give me that energy. I think I think he, I would like to listen to those phone calls. <laughs> well, we have had the best time having you on tonight. Before we let you go, can you please just let our listeners one more time know where they can follow you on all of your... Of course. Oh, my God. I had so much fun. And that's one of the things I absolutely love about doing, you know, uh, other podcasts, especially one that I've never done before, is because I actually get so much more space to talk the bigger you get the more you kind of like jam-packed episodes and people in it and it becomes like a like this time that I had with Danny was so short because I was trying to like jam-pack it in and I missed the days where I could just like just talk and have all the fun in the world so this was truly 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 so much fun and so special so thank y'all for having me well um, I hope you'll you come it. back of course of course literally anytime um and if you guys want to listen to me and follow me on all the things that, you know, after you listen to this podcast, um, anywhere you listen to this, you're welcome to, of course, listen to Mom by Searching Mixed with Moni and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook by searching at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much, y'all truly. so much this for having me. This was the most fun I've had in a minute like honestly I I I enjoy talking to you so much and your perspective and just you're you're just lovely thank you thank you so much I really appreciate it thank you so much for listening to today's podcast if you want to follow us across our platforms you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at stylishly Solomon Solomon spelled with all O's S-O-L-O-M-O-N and also on our Instagram you can find links in the bio to follow us on Amazon and like to know it and shop our looks and find out our fashion breakdowns if you like this podcast Please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. We always love to hear your feedback. We thank you for thinking of us and appreciate your love and support.